Hello, and thank you for listening to the Hope Relentless Marriage Podcast, where we talk about all things marriage. We're honored to spend some time with you and well done on investing in your relationship. It matters. Our goal is to encourage and equip you in your incredible adventure of marriage, whether you're in a low place or a high place. This is for us, those courageous enough to believe we can actually change the world, one marriage at a time, starting with our own. Please connect with us on our website, hoperelentless.com. And remember, there's always, always hope. Hello, thank you for joining us on the Hope Relentless Marriage Podcast. My name is Sarah Gale, and my husband Chad is joining us, and we are so thrilled that you are here with us as well. And so I want to encourage you for, again, being here. I do this every podcast, so if you listen every time, you know this is coming, and we need a little bit more encouragement. And so I don't shy away from this moment at all. So well done on making an investment in your marriage, on taking the time to be here and to learn and to be open because it matters. Marriages impact families, families impact communities, and communities impact the world. So well done on changing the world. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important to celebrate our marriages. You know, speaking mm-hmm. of celebration, Sarah Gale and I just celebrated earlier this week 18 years of marriage. So- We're adults. We are, our, our marriage is an adult. And so that is exciting and uh, was kind of fun to celebrate. Although sometimes the way marriage works around the anniversary itself, we had, we had some of our own challenges. And, um, but today what we want to talk about is the idea of mind reading and other signs of perceived success in marriage. You know, oftentimes as our relationship adds months and months turn into years and years turn into decades, we can fall into the trap of thinking our spouse should know better or our spouse should already know what I was thinking. Right. And so I just, I might digress a bit, Chad, so you might have to just clean it up for me. But I was thinking of what you said as far as we had our celebration and it had its own challenges. Because if you recall, like the day before, we got in a pretty big argument and this seems like it shouldn't happen because we've been married 18 years. We're professionals. We're, we're professionally married because we've been, we've put in the time. But it reminded me actually of our engagement when you proposed to me in Central Park in New York City on a horse and carriage ride. But leading up to that, I was the biggest brat. I was asking that you carry me through the streets of New York because my feet hurt from the high heels I was wearing. And I think sometimes as couples, we have this expectation and we think that things need to go a certain way. And if they don't, we reassess our whole relationship and think, oh my gosh, this isn't how it should happen. Like we're married 18 years. We shouldn't be getting in these fights. But the reality is, we're always on a journey. We're always growing. And so it just reminded me when I was thinking about, you know, a couple of days ago when we did get in that disagreement and then just the course of our marriage as when you, when you're married 18 years, you do reflect, you reflect on where you've been, where you've come, where you want to go. And so I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point, babe. Sometimes in marriage, it isn't that We always agree on everything the longer we've been married. Hopefully it means when there's disagreement that we've learned some tools to create clarity 
and uh, essentially regained unity faster. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. sometimes when maybe early in our relationship, we either just don't bring things up at all because we don't mm -hmm. want to create tension in the relationship, which that's not a solution, right? Sweeping things mm -hmm. under the rug is not, uh, it's not a good long-term strategy, mm -hmm. but we're going to have disagreements. We're going to see things differently. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here today, but the important thing isn't to not have arguments. It's to look at, are we growing in our ability to manage tension or disagreement or difficulty? Are we able to listen? Are we able to respect? Are we able to ultimately get back in unity uh, so that we can enjoy each other? And I know by the time we got to our, our date, we were able to enjoy conversation, enjoy the moment, be present. Uh, but yeah, even 18 years in, there are still some challenges and struggles along this journey for sure. Right. Yep. And so back to the mind reading, because I'm reading your mind right now. <laughs> and I hear it saying, get back on track. And so back to the mind reading aspect, that's, in my opinion, for us, I'll just speak for our marriage, you know, that is not something that is a thing. And there's some research that you'll find that says, you know, mind reading is perfectly okay in couples. And I think the truth of it is, if it's okay in your relationship and you guys have created an art of reading each other's mind, then good for you. If it doesn't create dissension and you, you love it, then hey, let's keep doing it. But for us, mind reading creates havoc because we don't know each other to the extent where we can finish each other's sentences because we're still different people after all these years of marriage. And to be honest, sometimes things change. After 18 years of marriage, what Chad might have preferred in, in one setting is something different than what he prefers in this current setting. And so it's always best for our relationship. And I think overall, when we think about couples, it is beneficial when we let our spouse just say what they want to say. And then we say what we want to say in taking ownership for what we're thinking rather than what they are thinking. Yeah. And I think when it comes to mind reading or you know having similar opinions or values or ideas, there's definitely a lot of areas where we overlap, you know, oftentimes, mm -hmm. you know, as parents with the boys, you know, one of us, something will come up one of us will be with the boys and say something the other one wasn't there then you know kind of switches place and all of a sudden we're with the boys and we find out oh mom just said that oh dad just said that so there's definitely times mm -hmm. where our our thoughts our opinions our values are are in unity and are in agreement and so those areas are fine but there's plenty of areas where i go to speak for you or you go to speak for me and it's off base uh, you and mm -hmm. I see this oftentimes in our disagreement when one of us will say, well, you thought or you said, and when we just back up and just be like, hey, can you clarify what you're thinking here? Or can you clarify what you're saying? I know for me, oftentimes I will say like, wow, like, no, that's, that's not what I think or what I say at all. And <laughs> yep. I think I was reading in a book and it was saying that one of the most powerful things that are lacking in all relationships but I think especially in marriages or, or significant others, because we can get comfortable, we might be more prone mm -hmm. to cutting each other off, to making assumptions. But it said one of the most valuable skills that we can get in relationships is, um, is, is listening, is simply mm -hmm. not already having the answer, 
but actually listening with the objective of understanding the other person. And mm -hmm. that kind of takes like mind reading doesn't work in that environment, right? If you're sharing and my objective is for you to feel understood, then I'm going to ask questions. I'm not going to complete your sentences. I'm not going to cut you off. I'm not going to make mm -hmm. assumptions okay. because all of that would be counter to presenting myself as listening and wanting you to feel understood. And I know for me, that's an area that I'm definitely growing in and when I say growing in, you know, unfortunately, even though we're 18 years into marriage, that's a skill that I feel like I am still early on the journey of just valuing that instead of quote unquote, already knowing the answer or already knowing what it was you were going to share. Yeah. And to be honest, this is the thing, one of the things that I love about marriage in life in general is that we can always grow when we show up to whatever we show up with the best that we can based off what we've been through what we know but there's always an opportunity as we learn to continue to grow and continue to become people that are are more impactful in the in the current situation are more experiencing more uh, fruit in in their marriage or their life in general so that's something that i really love about life and being married in general that we can actually do that. And so one of the things I want to talk about that is in line with this is the you should know. And it's the same kind of vein, right? We say he should know that this is what I like, or he should know that's not what I like. And it's this should, 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 but really it's just a matter of telling him, telling her what you want to happen and what, what you like, if you want an evening, a huge example of this is Hey, he should know that I want to go to a nice restaurant where we can dress up for our anniversary, but he doesn't know. <laughs> and if he does know, that's great, but it would be nice to help with some more clarity as far as, okay, what part of town do you want to go and what kind of food would you like? It just, do you, do you want a good evening or do you not? And so the more that we can help each other out instead of almost putting each other to the test, as far as you, do, are you going to guess it? Even though it changes every year, are you going to guess what I want? Because you should know. Yeah, I, I think that's good. You know, you think about the basic dynamic of communication is to simplify and to get unity. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many areas of life that we can't always control or that can create challenges or be, you know, lack, uh, not be predictable. You know, we've got two, two kids, you know, basically teenage boys, never know what they're going to say, what kind of mood they're going to be in. Uh, you know, you think about the weather, something we can't control. There's different dynamics with career and, and, you know, sometimes things come, come up that are out of our control that we can't predict. Well, communication and what we want doesn't need to be one of those random variables where somebody should just know. And so yeah. I think it's a, it's a powerful practice for us to be in. And, you know, I think for me, maybe for us, you can speak for yourself. That's kind of what we're practicing here. Early on in our marriage as Christians, I wanted to be kind and thoughtful. Uh, but at times I presented myself as passive, which was not healthy and was not mm -hmm. helpful mm -hmm. because I was just kind of, oh, it doesn't matter, whatever she wants, but I had opinions. And so it was important to uh, embrace my opinions and, and to communicate those, you know, because otherwise we mm -hmm. would plan things and you're having fun and I'm not, or I'm having fun yeah. 
and you're not. And that's a classic yeah. example where if we become passive in our relationship for whatever reason, it doesn't, it doesn't help the relationship. And oftentimes it's so much easier for our spouse when we speak with clarity and say, Hey, yeah. you know, what would be fun to me. And sometimes we go on a date and it's more fun for you, but we mm -hmm. know that. And sometimes we go on a date and it's more fun for me. And we know that, but over the course of different dates, we can incorporate different things that ultimately we both enjoy. Even if some of the individual mm -hmm. dates lean more your way or lean more my way, it's important yeah. that we're aware and that we're communicating effectively around that. Right, right. Yeah. And that's one of the opposites of passivity is assertiveness. And I know for me, being assertive didn't come easy. And I remember early in our marriage, Chad, where we were talking about Valentine's Day. And, you know, I like gifts. I, I love thoughtful gifts, any gifts. Just <laughs> I like gifts. And I had a hard time admitting that because I just felt like, you know, that's materialistic and that's not my heart. But at the end of the day, I like gifts. And so when it came to Valentine's Day, I remember saying, you know, we celebrate our love every day. We don't need a holiday to or a fake holiday to celebrate our love. But in reality, I want any opportunity to have a gift. And so it's not being assertive. And hey, what what would I like to see happen around the holidays? And what would I be excited about? And I think what one couple I was working with recently, it went a little bit further to the point where when she first got married, she was who she thought she should be. And wow. she kind of just buried who she was because she wanted to be agreeable. And then fast forward 10 years in and we're deconstructing who she is, who she wants to be. Does she even want to be married? And so this is what happens when we are upfront and we don't clearly communicate the things that we're wanting. And I think sometimes we don't do that because we see assertiveness as aggressive and as something that's rude rather than something that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, and I think this is where the skill of reflective listening can be so mm -hmm. powerful because depending on our spouse's family of origin, their voice may not have been given a place. And yeah. so, you know, sometimes in life, we are not even aware of what we want ourselves. And so if we have a spouse who is finishing the sentences for us, always planning everything, um, telling us kind of what to do and how to do it, it stifles our ability to have the space to think for ourselves, to discover ourselves and to understand what is it that we like and don't like. And so this is where kind of this, you know, both, both sides of the coin, when we create a reflective listening atmosphere where we're mm -hmm. seeking for our spouse to be understood, we're giving them space to think, to ponder, to share, maybe to change their mind. Like, you talked about the Valentine's Day. I remember you kind of saying, ah, oh, Valentine's Day, it's the restaurants are crowded and, you know, flowers die anyways. And, you know, so there were a couple of years where we didn't do a lot for Valentine's Day. Not really, you know, hey, happy Valentine's Day. Here's a card. You know, well, after a couple of years, it became clear that, you know, I'm like in the doghouse trying to figure out like what this was your idea. But when I started to ask questions, it was like, oh, no, she was just saying that because it seemed the idea of feeling loved every week seemed, I don't know, romantic or something. But, and the reality is you also want to feel special in that 
during that week. And for me, it's kind of a double whammy because Valentine's Day and your birthday are only a couple days apart. Yeah. And so sometimes they would get lumped in together, which was not a win, I found out later. But when we practice (laughs) reflective listening, we give our spouse space to be like, hey, I know I said this, but like I've changed my mind or, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a different idea or a different thought around this. And if we have a spouse who didn't really have space to have a voice as a kid, reflective listening will help them uh, practice what it looks like to be more assertive. And so I think those things are just so important and so powerful in creating unity and creating clarity um, and helping both of us discover what is it we want and finding that healthy level of assertiveness. Yeah. So another way to put it is say what you mean, mean what you say. And we've all seen that meme, if you will, of the, or or the video where the wife or the husband asked the wife, Hey, can I go golfing (laughs) this Sunday? And the wife's like sitting on the couch and you can see her body language. And she's like, sure. In this tone, that's just like, sure. And then the, the husband is kind of looking around and seeing, okay, is, does she mean it? Does she not? And there's this game of like, can, he's going to feel guilty if he goes, he's going to be mad if he stays. And then meanwhile, the wife does not want him to go, but she won't say it. And then it just creates this mess. So it's say what you mean, mean what you say. And then another thing with that is when we say we're going to do something, because we're talking about words here and words are powerful. So when we say we're going to do something, it's counting the cost. Like if I say, Hey, you know what, Chad, I agree. Like, you know, you should have a massage every night. I I think that that would be best for our marriage for me to give you a massage every night, rub your feet, your back, all of it. Then I I hope that I I counted the cost (laughs) before I said something like that. And I looked at my calendar. Am I even going to be available every night to give him a massage? Because what I say matters. And so I don't want to commit to something with my spouse or with anyone if I don't know that I can follow through. Now, of course, grace is allowed, right? If sometimes we say something and we really do mean it, but something comes up and then we take ownership and then we get back on track. But I'm talking about for the most part, you know, when we're saying we're going to do something, let's follow through and let's do it because we counted the cost and we asked questions about what is involved in what we're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, so, so for just total clarity are, should I clear out my calendar and set aside time for these evening massages or were you just, just uh, flirting and then taking it away? Like what happened there? I knew you were going to come back to that. Totally a joke. Totally. One of those things that's just kind of fairy tale land. You know, when I talk about Disney princesses, this is where that rubbing your feet every night falls into that for you, I think, is as far as the fantasy land. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I won't put my knight in shining armor gear on and you won't get out the lotion and give nightly massages. So <laughs> I guess at least while we might both be disappointed, there's clarity. So, so that's good. Oh gosh. So I think it's supposed, we- supposed to be helping the people. Supposed to be helping the people. So I guess as we, as we wrap this particular podcast up, just kind of some basic action steps is, you know, for, for many of us, assertiveness, finding healthy assertiveness, it's, it's something to learn. Like I know for me early on, I can be very direct and that directness can come across as rude, um, as harsh as not, as not being patient. And so there's, those are areas that are still areas of growth for me. 
For you, maybe it's um, identifying what it is you even want and then beginning to share that. But kind of as a simple action step is just, uh, you know, speak your mind, share what you're thinking, and then practice reflective listening. Give your spouse space to share their thoughts, to complete their thoughts. You know, kind of the, the standard for reflective listening is that your spouse would walk away feeling like their voice was heard and that they mm -hmm. are understood. And that's something that I have to constantly remind myself uh, but it'll create an environment that encourages your spouse to be assertive. And then let's follow through. You know, so many, so many times, you know, I think Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. And I know sometimes it can get more complicated. Our kids lately um, have been saying this thing, like they'll say something and then they, one of them will say, put that on baby. So I don't know who <laughs> these like innocent babies are that are, you know, being used to determine whether, you know, my sons are telling the truth or not. And it's amazing to me how often the answer changes. It's like, yeah. what did putting it on baby have to do with you telling the truth or not? And so, you know, I think we can simplify things for our spouse. No babies needed to just learn what we want and begin communicating that what we want with our spouse and giving our spouse space to share their thoughts, their feelings and their desires. You know, I was thinking we should do another podcast about all the phrases that our sons use and how we use them incorrectly. I think a lot of the parents would identify, they'd be like, that's fire, you know, so we should do that at another time. What one thing I wanted to add to the action steps is to reframe how we think of connection, because if we think that connecting with our spouse means we read each other's minds and they should just know and they don't have to say what they mean. If we think that is connection and it doesn't happen, then we're going to be very disappointed in our marriage. Whereas that's a really hard standard to live up to for anyone. And I don't know where that came. I probably movies, of course, that where that came about. But I think it's helpful, at least it has been for me, to reframe that that is not the standard of connection and health and relationship, but really to seek out unity with my own spouse as far as what is working for us and to pursue that. Yeah, that's really good. I like it. All right. Put it on baby. Put it on baby. So I want to close this out and I want to say again, thank you for joining us and we look forward to next time. We hope you're learning stuff. We hope you're enjoying our nonsense, uh, <laughs> our back and forth banter sometimes, but we're having fun with it. So hope you're having fun and as well, fun as well. And marriages impact families, families impact communities, communities impact the world. And I want to leave you with the thought and the knowledge and the knowing that there is always, always hope.